Hey there. Thanks for joining me today for another episode of Lymphedema Podcast. My name is Betty. I'm a certified lymphedema therapist, passionate lymphedema advocate, wife, mother, and the voice behind Lymphedema Podcast. What began as a small passion project in 2019 to provide answers and explanations to people with the lymphatic disease lymphedema has now reached more than 75 countries. Whether you're a patient, caregiver, or medical professional, or someone interested in lymphedema, there is an episode here for you. Every week this season, there will be a new episode to help you learn more and navigate better your journey ahead. I am so passionate about teaching others about lymphedema that I created this podcast. Thanks for joining me. I hope you're ready to learn something new today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back for episode 108 of Lymphedema Podcast. Today, I have a special guest with me. Her name is Tyla, and she is the mom of Jeffrey. And Tyla is a new friend of mine within the last year. And I'm just going to let you know, this is potentially going to be a roller coaster conversation. Uh, Tyla and I hit it off pretty much from the start. And I love little Jeffrey. He and my son Holt are about the same age. And we have a lot we want to unpack and discuss and share um, some good stuff, some bad stuff, the in-between. And so everybody, I just want to give you just a little look into what it's like as a mom of a child who's born with lymphedema and how community is really, really important. No matter, no matter where you are on that, uh, journey, if it's right after birth or in the middle of treatment or after diagnosis or whatever. So, uh, welcome Tyla to the podcast. Hi Betty. Thank you so much for having me. You are welcome. Um, I joked with Tyla just a minute ago that I didn't really need to give her a rundown because she could probably take over and do this job for me. She, um, is my biggest fan of the podcast. Uh, she lets me know, I even like run stuff by her. I'm like, Hey, I think I'm going to change this on the podcast. What do you think? Uh, so I know that she's well-versed in the podcast and she's going to be a great, great guest. Um, okay. So first I want to talk about Jeffrey. So tell us a little bit about Jeffrey. So Jeffrey was born, um, July 8th, 2020. So he is a pandemic baby, baby like Holt. Mm-hmm. And during, I guess, starting before Jeffrey was born, I had a very, um, textbook pregnancy, no complications. Everything was easy. They saw nothing on my ultrasounds at the anatomy scan, anything like that. So I know some parents of children with lymphedema, um, have mentioned that at their anatomy scan or something like that, they did notice swelling. That was not the case with Jeffrey. So I went into labor. He was born and instantly our pediatrician noticed that he had swelling in his feet. And I wasn't really concerned about it. She wasn't really concerned about it. She had made a comment to the nurse and to my husband that because my labor and I was pushing for about three hours, which is pretty long that possibly the way that he was positioned, maybe that had caused some of the edema. So I was under the impression that maybe this would just go away. It was afterward, once we got back into the recovering room that they said in, they sent in the head of the NICU at the hospital that we delivered at. And he seemed very concerned about the swelling. And at that point in time, I kind of went into like, whoa, crazy mom mode. What do you mean? There's something actually wrong. And he had mentioned that they wanted to do all of this blood, 
blood work to essentially rule out any chromosome issues or lack of chromosomes. So that was, he, he was born with it. We noticed it right from birth, essentially. And so did anything come about the chromosome test or did they end up finding like a genetic link to lymphedema? Um, what ended up happening along the diagnosis journey? So of course I wanted answers like immediately. And so, um, I wouldn't recommend people hopping on, you know, the Google machine immediately and Google anything because it just, if you're already somebody that's anxious or, you know, you going through the process of having a baby is traumatic or it can be traumatic. It's a lot, it's overwhelming. Your hormones are going crazy. So I was already filled with so much emotion just from, you know, giving birth and then to be told that there's potentially something wrong with my child. Um, I was, I was a hot mess to put it nicely. And, uh, anyways, I got on Google and I started just looking up newborn swollen feet and instantly one of the first things that popped up was primary lymphedema, Milroy's disease. So the head of the NICU said he had never seen anything like this before. They had the head geneticist doctor from like a sister hospital come in to see us. And, um, he said, you know, I don't think that it is going to be a chromosome issue because typically with like a chromosome deletion or something like that, it's very evident in the features of the child. And Jeffrey didn't have anything like that. It was really just the swelling. So that they had mentioned something like Turner syndrome, but mm-hmm. typically that's seen in um, females, not males. I guess it is possible, but they did the blood work that did take a little while to come back. So we were waiting for that for, I think about a week that information came back it was fine. They did testing at the hospital to make sure his heart was okay, because I think sometimes swelling can be linked with um, heart conditions. All of that came back normal. We were discharged, I think after a day and a half in the hospital. And I couldn't believe that they were sending us home with basically no information and his feet, Betty, when I would, when I would hold him and he'd be in the upright position with like his feet hanging, his feet would turn like purple. And that so freaked me out because I just wanted to keep him, um, like lying flat. So that way his feet were more elevated and not dangling because that seemed to help with the purpleness. And I didn't know what was really going on with that. So I can remember showing up at his like, um, two day old appointment with his primary care and just sobbing. Of course, my husband wasn't allowed to come to the appointment with me because of COVID, And I had my husband on speakerphone. I'm sobbing. The primary care doctor told me like, mom, you're doing so good. Like, please don't worry about this. He is fine. He's, he's healthy. I'm telling you he's healthy. All of his markers are good. He's gaining weight. He's doing the things that he needs to do. Just please enjoy your baby. Like stop stressing about this. Enjoy your baby. But it it was very hard in those first couple of, um, days and weeks without having a for sure diagnosis. And I just remembered one other thing too, the doctor, the geneticist doctor, when I asked him, (laughs) I said, Hey, I found on Google, this primary lymphedema condition, Milroy's disease. Do you think it could be this? And he told me, well, that would be like winning the lottery because it's extremely rare. He said, I, I'm not sure. I don't think so. I've, I've, you know, been practicing for 30 something years. I've never seen it. So probably not. And I, I okay. You know, I, I trusted him. Um, 
yeah, so that was, that was the first few weeks. And then we didn't get a diagnosis until six weeks, which is still very early from everything that I've learned actually on the podcast from a lot of the guests that you've had. Some of them haven't had, you know, a diagnosis till they were much older teenagers, adults, even. So for us to have a, a diagnosis at six weeks old, I feel very blessed for that. Um, even though, you know, had I been a doctor, I guess I would have been able to diagnose it from right from the start. I mean, so many things really there to kind of dive into just as a, I mean, I hate that we're probably going to go our whole lives saying this as pandemic moms, um, first time parents, um, the whole process was really traumatic, you know, Mm -hmm. between doctor's appointments, um, masked, that was really scary thing to adjust to. And you know, maybe having to go to an appointment on your own or blood work and labs and ultrasounds by yourself. And you already have enough fears with being pregnant and thinking all the thoughts and being all worried about it and then throw in a global pandemic. And then you have labor and delivery where it's like, okay, we have this baby here. Now we have to protect him from this global pandemic because he's a baby Mm -hmm. without an immune system. Mm -hmm. And now ta-da, you have air quotes here, won the lottery, as that doctor said. Uh, And that's, that's just something Holt had the most minor stuff compared to this. We had like a food allergy thing. And I was a hot mess over him being allergic to my milk and like how it upset him and how it affected him. And like, do I need to get him to the doctor right now? Is this going to make it worse? Should I stop doing this? Should I stop doing that? And to have a kid and baby that is fully dependent on you and you're processing all the things of a pandemic of a new mom and you throw in this undiagnosable, unusual, rare condition that no one can really help you on. I know that it was hard. I know that it was hard for you. Um, and your husband too, you know, it's, it's a really awful place to be in that waiting. And I think you Mm -hmm. are really fortunate that you were able to have a diagnosis at six weeks. I know that you've already mentioned that. Um, but that six weeks was hard. And then after getting (laughs) the diagnosis, after getting the diagnosis, it's an uphill battle. It's like, Hey, thanks for the word. Now let's go ahead and jump into the struggle. I mean, this is a good segue, but it's like, this is the next struggle. I have the diagnosis. Who's going to treat me? Who's going to get me the products that we need? Who's going to help me with my education to help my child? It's just another battle. You just now have a name for what you're fighting. Right. Right. And first, I just wanted to say that you mentioned Holt had an allergy or food allergy. And I don't think anytime there's something wrong with your child or, you know, they might have an illness, whether it's something as minor as a cold, um, I don't know if it's just parents in general or as, as mothers, we feel stronger senses of an urge to protect our, our babies and make sure that they're okay. And when we feel helpless and out of control and, um, that's a, that's a really hard thing. And maybe more so for me, I have definitely like a type a personality. I like things to be, you know, organized and planned and 
if I don't have an answer for something, I'm going to work on getting it. And I just, I really kind of pride myself in that, that I need to know how everything works. And it's very hard for me to sometimes accept that you're not going to have an answer. Now you might not ever have an answer. It is what it is. So that's a hard lesson. And it's a daily, it's a lesson you learn daily. I think oh, yeah. in the lymphedema world and in this community, um, from a parent's perspective, a therapist's perspective, patient, child, relative, you know, across the spectrum, it's a daily reminder that we can't, we can't control it. We can do our best. We can manage it. We can learn, but there's going to be twists and turns that we can't foresee. We can't predict. It's just going to be a surprise. And that's for sure. Not at all. Something people like us very type a want to hear. No, <laughs> but you know, it's, um, it's okay. Right. I guess that's the joys of parenting and parenthood that you just kind of have to embrace the, the ebbs and flows of it all. So, so I do want to talk a little bit about, um, maybe what happened next briefly. Cause I know we want to share a little bit more of kind of our story as well and kind of how we got connected. Um, but six weeks out, Jeffrey gets the diagnosis. What came next? After we got the diagnosis, it was a clinical diagnosis too, which at that point, or my understanding of that means that they did not run any tests. We were at that point in time, had a referral to go up to Boston children's hospital to meet with their vascular anomalies specialist. Um, but that's a whole process that takes a couple of months to get that ball rolling and to be seen by them. So we had a clinical diagnosis with the same geneticist that told us that we won the lottery. I am assuming he went back and looked up more information about primary lymphedema. He evaluated him in his office setting and said, yeah, it looks like Milroy's disease. It's probably primary lymphedema. That's what I'm calling it. And I was just kind of shocked. I had no, I've never been diagnosed with anything myself. So I didn't really understand that doctors can just diagnose something just visually like that. So he did. And at that point in time, you know, it kind of the, the realization that, okay, this is real. He's not going to grow out of it. The actual diagnosis was very, very heavy and hard. If we were having this conversation a year and a half ago, I don't think I would be able to do it without getting emotional and upset, but because of resources like your podcast and people that I've met online, I no longer am afraid of lymphedema. I embrace it for, for my son. Obviously I don't have lymphedema, but at that point in time, after the diagnosis, you know, I left, I felt sorry for my son. I felt sorry for myself. I cried a bunch and a friend of mine had actually said, Hey, have you looked into groups like on Facebook to see if there's a support group out there. And that was nothing that I, that was not something that I had really done before. I didn't even really use Facebook for that type of interaction with people. Now that's primarily what I use Facebook for. So the first group that I found on Facebook, I think is called lymphedema support group. And it scared me silly, Betty. Um, I am sure a lot of your listeners are familiar with that group or probably in that group or some like it. And, uh, there's not a lot of children with lymphedema in that group specifically. It's a lot more adults 
who have very progressed stages of lymphedema. Um, it, from what I can tell, you know, it doesn't look like they have access to care like they should, and it's just kind of bubbled out of control. So of course I'm sitting there, you know, in the middle of the night, breastfeeding Jeffrey and thinking to myself, oh my gosh, this is what's in store for my child. His legs going to, his legs are going to blow up and how the heck are we going to manage this? And I, so I ended up making a post in that group. I posted a picture of Jeffrey, um, of his lower extremities. And I got so much support from the group, from people that had lymphedema, um, people that have children with lymphedema that recommended other groups on Facebook that were a little bit more appropriate for um, me in that they were support groups specifically for parents of children with lymphedema. Yeah. And uh, one of the people though, that interacted with me was Brittany um, from Ryland's feet. And I was so, so grateful for that. She offered to have a call with me and I took her up on that, of course. And, um, that really began our journey for treatment. So we, I talked to her for, I think probably over an hour. I cried with her. She like told me that she's been there. Her, you know, she had a very similar start. Like most parents of children with lymphedema do that's it's struggle sometimes to get a diagnosis. It's a struggle to have doctors listen to you. It's a struggle to find a therapist that will work with your child. It's just a struggle. So as you know, um, we started working with Brylan's feet. We were able to start working with a CLT and to learn how to bandage, I think around eight weeks old. So that was, that was really incredible that we were able to start treatment at such an early age. So I'm super, super grateful to Brylan's feet foundation for being there for us at that time. And that's how I originally met you. Um, I am in addition to podcast host for people not that don't really know all the other things I have going on. Um, I am also the medical advisor for Bryland's feet foundation. And I oversee the education consultations that our volunteer CLTs do, um, to help provide education that's reliable. Um, because like you said, you know, there's not a lot of parent focused information out there. Um, aside from some WebMD post or some Google searches or something like that, but we really strive to get you that like toolbox and mm -hmm. guide, um, as early as possible. And so we actually have some exciting news coming out soon about some education opportunities, um, that would be fitting for a new parent of a child with lymphedema. Um, I'll probably plug in a commercial into this episode at some point, um, when our, all of our ducks are in a row, but we want to be able to have more people like you who have a diagnosis, who are looking for help. And we can walk you through MLD, uh, bandaging, compression, garment fitting, uh, mm -hmm. skincare, nail care, all of those things, because there's a lot of therapists who are certified to treat lymphedema and they won't treat kids yep. because there's not clear information out there. And so that's, I mean, I love Brittany. I call Brittany, my wife all the time. I'm like <laughs> oh, my wife, Brittany, yeah, I love her so much. Um, and her heart is gold 
that, that story you just told about calling Brittany, she literally was like, Hey, call me. We'll talk about it. Whatever you need. She will do that for anyone. Um, she will make time in her day. She will share her story. She will share her resources and information. And that's the whole purpose behind Bryland's feet foundation was for her to be able to help other parents like her so that they did not have to go through unnecessary waiting, stress, the tears, all of it, the financial burden. So a big kudos to you, Betty, to Brittany and to the whole team of, cause I know it's more than just you two, um, with Bryland's feet, because you guys are doing incredible things for children with lymphedema. It's, it's really incredible because like Betty said, um, what, once we had start started working with Bryland's feet, we then became interested in, of course, working with the CLT in person locally. So at about, well, I had been reaching out to physical therapy offices probably since we got the diagnosis at about eight weeks, six weeks old. And I kept getting, sorry, no, sorry, no, we don't work with children under the age of 12. We don't work with children under the age of 18 months. It was really, really hard to find a therapist locally that would work with Jeffrey at such a young age. And actually through one, another support group, I think it was lymphedema kids. I connected with a mom who actually lives here in Connecticut. Um, and her son is, I want to say maybe eight or nine years old. And she recommended a physical therapist that her son was working with to us. So we had reached out and I think she had turned us down too. She said, Nope, sorry. I don't work with kids under the age of 18 months, but here's this other person, check them out. So we did. And thank goodness she did. She did take us under her care and we've been working with her, um, Dr. Gail Henze for now going on about a year and a half. And I love her. She's great. And I'm super grateful that we we're still able to work with Bryland's feet. And we're also able to have that in-person CLT as well. Yeah. I love that because that's our goal really. Um, I'm not trying to necessarily do an episode just on Bryland's feet, but it does, it all does fit that we want to provide the education that's needed, but we also, we want you guys to see people in person. We want you to have that hands-on because there's nothing that can replace that. I mean, that one-on-one demonstration, let me show you touch and feel, get the whole experience. Um, but we can provide the bandages you need. If your clinic doesn't have it, if they don't have what you need for a pediatric kit, um, if they're not comfortable measuring for a pediatric garment or don't know a DME that will help you process it, Bryland mm-hmm. feet will help pay and cover the expense of garments. Um, if you don't have insurance, I mean, we can help you pay for in-person treatment. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can help with, with literally anything that you need. That's why Bryland's feet is there so that there is not an excuse for parents, for the medical community. Um, where they can say, you know, sorry, we just don't like, we're going to get this education course out soon so that even CLTs can't say, sorry, there's really not any education out there to help me learn better. Right. We made it because it's going to be out soon and we're going to help those therapists. Um, like we're trying to help the parents with all the resources that they need. Um, so here's my crazy story and we're going to, it's our crazy story. Can we like start playing Taylor Swift, like our love song or our love story or whatever that is. Um, so it didn't, it took me like 
an hour talking to you on the phone. Um, when I picked up you and Jeffrey, um, from the consulting list. Um, and I remember I called Brittany after I got off the phone with you and I was like, Hey, so is it weird dot, 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 if I call and tell Tyler just to come to my house, like I'm just get to my house right now. And of course my wife, Brittany watches a lot of Dateline and watches a lot of like murder stories, much like you. And she was like, it's 100% creepy, Betty. Don't invite Mm -hmm. a stranger to your house. Mm -hmm. But I did. And you know who said yes? Me, the other crazy person (laughs) who also watches too much Dateline and true crime. So, so yeah. So a little bit of back before that, though, if we just rewind a bit, um, while our therapist that we see in person is lovely and excellent, we have had major, major struggles with our garment fitter. So for those of you who may not know that there's a difference between somebody who does fitting and somebody who provides your CLT services, sometimes they are the same, sometimes they're not. So in our case, our CLT basically will provide us with MLD bandaging. She does take volume measurements every so often too, and she can measure, but because of insurance or the way that stuff would work out, she sends us to a fitter to do the fitting and to ship us the garments. So we started working with um, an out, another company probably like a few weeks after we started with um, physical therapy. And pretty much from the get-go, there were just issues, right? So we, we started with open toe garments, which is pretty, I think, um, standard for kiddos that little because you want to make sure that the toes are still not getting totally restricted and they're not turning purple or whatever. You can check the temperature and all of that. I want to jump in here and say closed toe from the get-go. Oh yeah. Now, now that I know, like for <laughs> sure, closed toe, especially so most kiddos that have bilateral pedal edema or, you know, Freud's with their feet being mostly swollen in that area, the top of the foot, right up, right above, like right where the toes start tends to have like a super puffy spot. I'm doing this with my hands and I know you all can't see me, but for those of you that are familiar with this, you know what I'm talking about. So when you right. have that open toe garment, it's that puffy spot just kind of like, plops right out and it's really hard to get a garment that fits. Right. So we, I think we had like maybe five or six pairs of remakes. And I was just like, I was at my wits end, Betty. It was getting ridiculous because as everybody knows, compression is the best thing. And the sooner that you can start treatment, the better. So I ended up making another post into one of the groups. And I was like, is this normal? Are, Are people having this much trouble with garments? Because I do not know what to do. And that that was actually when Betty had reached out to me and she was like, okay, this is not normal. Can I please help you? And I, I I think I remember feeling like, like a celebrity had just reached out to me because like, as Betty had mentioned, I've been a big fan of the podcast since I think my son was like probably three weeks old. And I started going for walks around the neighborhood you know, postpartum in those real early days, just pushing the stroller, listening to lymphedema podcast. So when I, I felt so honored to have the opportunity, not only to just speak to you, but then after, like Betty said, like, I think our first conversation toward the end of it, I felt like your friend. And I think our second conversation, you were like, yeah, you know, I, I just think it would be really great if you and 
Jeffrey could just come and visit. And I was like, and in my, um, you know, spidey senses started, spidey sense, senses started kind of going off. Like, that's a little weird. I don't really know her. What if she's a murderer? What about her family? Uh, I don't know. And by the way, too, my husband was actually deployed at the time. So I kind of like, not, not recommending this, but you know, like there's the saying, um, it's better to ask for forgiveness than for permission. <laughs> so I, I kind of life's motto. I kind of went that route. I think I had booked our flight tickets to Arkansas. Um, and I live on the opposite side of the country, everybody. So I live in Connecticut. It's not like she was just a state away or something like that. I and it was your been- first flight, your first trip. With, with a, a baby. baby by myself. Yeah. By myself. So my husband was on the other side of the world, literally. And, uh, I told him, I was like, I'm going on a trip with Jeffrey. And he's like, where I said, Oh, Arkansas to see my friend Betty. And I tried to play it. Like you and I had this relationship. Like <laughs> I had known you for a while. He's like, who, <laughs> you know, an old lady named Betty. <laughs> yeah. So- she was my school teacher when I was 12. Yeah, I definitely, I think a lot of, um, people in my, in my life, my family, friends were very kind of alarmed that I was alarmed, but also not surprised because I'm usually like the one that's going to just do something fun or unexpected. So I'm so grateful that I did. And I'm so grateful that Betty did reach out because like Betty mentioned, now her and I are close friends and it's led to such awesome opportunities. So I will, I 100% agree with that. I'll go the sweet that I'll say the sweet stuff first that I, it helps that Jeffrey and Holt are so close in age. Um, I feel things pretty strongly. I mean, I, I have gut reactions all the time and I, I connect with people and I feel their pain and their struggles. And just, I just, I heard it in your voice and I so quickly was like, Oh, I want to help Tyla. I want to help Jeffrey get these, get this boy over here. Hillman Holt can play. Um, I'll have coffee with Tyla and we will just hash it out. Like we will get something fixed. And for the record, I don't really do that very often. Um, I have said 100 times or more to Brittany Oh, Brittany, this family in New Zealand, just send me to New Zealand. Like, come on, just uh, Brazil. Let's go. I have a passport. It's currently expired. I'll get it fixed. But families, I mean, literally all over the world. I'm like, Brittany, at what point are you going to be able to just start sending me out so I can help and educate and just talk with these families? Because that is really where my passion is, is just that in person, let's, let's talk it out. You know, it's hard stuff. And I, it's not as easy to do it over the phone. It's not as easy to do it on zoom even. Mm-hmm. And I just want to have that connection to where I can look at you. I mean, if you want to hold my hand, I'll hold your hand and be like, it's going to be okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Like, here's the plan. Here are the people you're going to be okay. It's going to be hard, but it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And I just, I wanted to do that in person with you and Jeffrey. And it was a great trip. 
Lymphedema Podcast is made possible by the support of Eros Medical, Bryland's Feet Foundation, Dr. Jenna Wishnu at Lamb Vascular and Associates, Juzo Compression, and MediUSA. For more information and to browse previous episodes, visit the Lymphedema Podcast website. I'm so glad you were here because Holt had his first ever stomach bug and nearly puked on Jeffrey <laughs> and you stayed, you Ooh. didn't just straight up deuce and be like, I'm going to get out of here. You stayed, you helped me. You like taught me mom stuff. Um, um I helped you just, with lymphedema interrupt stuff. really quick. Betty caught vomit with her bare hands. She's a champion. Everybody, man. I sure did. I remember <laughs> I was wearing the, it was Christmas Those gloves. I was wearing gloves and I had a pint of barf between my hands and I was like, oh yeah, I don't need these anymore. Just tossed <laughs> off my gloves. You, you know, I'm was- actually thankful you had the gloves on. Cause then it wasn't, you know, you could kind of like just, just get rid of them and yeah, it would but- have been much more difficult without it. Oh, that was something. How many people are gagging right now going, oh, she caught vomit with her hands. I know where's the trigger warning, but, um, <laughs> But no, I mean, that's, that's parenthood. That's the reality of it. Sometimes there's going to be bodily fluids that just come out of nowhere. So it was like Betty said, it, it honestly felt more like a vacation than it did um, work or, you know, I guess like I don't travel really for conferences or something like that, but some people do. And maybe some people would think of it as more of like that, right? Like I went there for the primary reason of Betty teaching us stuff about lymphedema or how to, to help us with getting our garments and all of that. And it felt more like I was going to see a friend that I hadn't seen in a long time. I felt very comfortable pretty much from the second we got into Betty's car from the airport. So I brought you water. You did. That was so nice. I remember I was like, she's going to be thirsty and I didn't wear any makeup. I didn't even put on mascara. I was like, I look like trash. (laughs) So she's like, if I'm tired and look like trash and Betty looks like trash, it's cool. I appreciate that. You're a good friend. You're welcome. I really, I really try to be. So, uh, that I've been wanting to share our love story for a while now. I think this is a great episode because it's going to tie things in, you know, that the diagnosis of a baby born with lymphedema is really scary. Mm -hmm. And one of our moms from camp last summer, her little boy was born with primary lymphedema. He is now five and he will be back this summer, um, for the alumni session of camp watch me. Um, but she said something and it's literally never left my mind. It helps that I now I'm, I was a mom at that point. Um, Holt was a year old or almost a year old at that point. And she said that when her son was born, you know, you give you, they give you the baby, he's all wrapped up and it's like, Oh, my baby, they're here. Mm -hmm. But then they took him away and said, something's wrong. We have to do some tests. We need to look him over. We're we're taking him Mm -hmm. to go be looked over. And she said, and she physically demonstrated it. You can't see me do it now, but she said my shoulders and like the tension in my body, like my shoulders just drew up to my ears. She was like, and four years later, my shoulders have not dropped. I just stay in this constant state of what's happening. Stress or anxiety. Yeah. And that's, that's really interesting, Betty, because I feel like I can relate to that. And I did feel, I felt like, you know, 
just constantly on. Like I could never turn off this on switch and it might be, I don't want to say it's easier, right? Because there are struggles and no matter how you do things, but when, so I work full time and Jeffrey goes to daycare and I can remember just the second that I put him into somebody else's hands to be cared for. I was of course worried about lymphedema. I was, you know, making sure like whatever socks he was wearing were properly fitting. Or then when he did get fitted for garments that fit correctly, I wanted to make sure that I educated his teachers to know like, Hey, if the garment is slipping down, like you need to make sure you pull it up because I don't want it to be causing basically like a tourniquet at his ankle and doing the exact opposite of what it's supposed to do and all of these things. And so it was really hard. I, I don't even think I'm still at a point where I'm not completely relaxed and stress-free or carefree when Jeffrey's not like in my direct line of sight. But I don't, I also want to try to, and again, Jeffrey's not even two yet. He's never had cellulitis. Hopefully he never does. But I think I, my husband will tell you like cellulitis, it's like, I don't know. I don't know why I'm so afraid of it, but I am, I'm terrified. So right now it's getting a little bit warmer outside. Jeffrey's wearing shorts and he has his garments that go up to his knees. But I swear, as soon as he got like the shorts on, like a few days ago, he instantly took like three falls and his knees are now all scunned up. He's got like three bug bites above the knee. And I'm terrified. I will not lie. I am terrified. And I told when I dropped him off this morning at daycare, I said, please keep an eye on, you know, these little like scrapes and bug bites. If they seem super red or irritated, or if he just seems anything seems off, if he has a fever, please let me know. And I feel like I'm constantly having to like tell his teachers, like take this, take this seriously. Right. Because it, it can turn into something really quick, but hopefully, hopefully it doesn't. Um, he's had other minor cuts and scrapes and stuff like that on like his knees before, and it's never turned into anything, but back to what you were saying about that mom, like, yeah, I can, I can relate. And I wonder too, if that's just a parent thing. I can remember a relative of mine saying that once she became a mom, she never slept the same again. Like, you know, any pin drop noise or anything like that. She's just instantly alert and awake because, oh no, what's, what's going on with your baby. Maybe, maybe to some degree, that's just parenthood and maybe to, you know, another degree, a parent of a child with suffering from any illness or condition you're just, your senses are more, you're, you're more alert. You have, you just have to be. Yeah. You're those spotty. I mean, they're, they're motherly instincts. I want to say spotty senses, but it's just your motherly instincts and that concern that we have as parents, it's just on. Um, so that's why I think tying all this in is helpful because I wanted to share just Jeffrey's diagnosis story or have you share Jeffrey's diagnosis and birth story there that, it's not always easier after you get the name of it, because then you have a systemic fight. It seems like within the medical community, um, for education, for treatment, for resources, for support, insurance. And then you have externally, you have daycare, babysitters, spouses, relatives, the people who are also going to be caring for your child when it's not you, um, because we can't always be on. Uh, moms are pretty mm-hmm. close to real life superheroes, but, mm-hmm. but we have to sleep or eat or go and do something. Um, we work, you know, we have other things that are going on as well. And so you have, 
you have to learn how to educate and advocate for your child in literally every aspect of their life. And when Jeffrey's old enough to be in a school, it's going to be another conversation with right. the school system. Um, and that, that group expands as he gets older. And so I want to tie back to community that you reached out and you found support friendship, mm-hmm. um, in community. So Brylin's Feet Foundation is a great community. We don't have our own support group, but lymphedema kids, Brittany and I are active in that all the time. Parents like you are active in there all the time. I'm giving education and resources. Camp Watch Me, which is a Brylin's Feet event. When Jeffrey's old enough, I, I 100% know you and Jeffrey are going to be there mm-hmm. um, regularly, if not like at least every other year when he's older. So I know that there are resources out there And any parent who listens to this episode, no matter where you're at on this journey with your child, because every day is different, um, community can and will make the biggest difference in your life, in your mental health, in your emotional well-being, um, and in your child's life, because surrounding your kid with support and love goes really far, but then for them to eventually be plugged in and find their place and feel seen and accepted and understood by people who also have lymphedema, that community for them is, is life-changing. Um, and I want to warn that it, the groups you do get into can be positive or negative to how your outcome goes, because, um, just the general lymphedema group um, may not be applicable for parents. Um, and it may not be a good place for them at that point at that early stage, because there's a lot of scary stuff in there. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I hate to ever dig on any of the groups because I know that people really are truly searching for help and answers. Right. But with a chronic illness comes a lot of bitterness and anger and resentment and, it just gets spewed out in some of those groups that aren't very well monitored and the people, Mm -hmm. um, just get to stay and share whatever they want. And, and while that's healthy and they need it, it's not always healthy and helpful to the people who are looking for new information. So I just want to caution on what community you get into, but also Mm -hmm. strongly encourage you to find your tribe, find your people and stick with them and grow with them so that you Mm -hmm. can help others too, who come after you. Right. And I think going off of what Betty just said too, is that at the end of the day, we have to remember that these groups are Facebook. It's not a doctor. It's not, it shouldn't be looked at as real medical advice. And like Betty was saying, sometimes on those other groups, there can just be flat out bad advice. People telling people with lymphedema to take like just pills or whatever else, like some supplement that's going to shed off water weight and things like that. And those of us that understand lymphedema know like there is no magic pill that's going to make lymphedema go away or cure your lymphedema. It's just, it's not going to happen. So just being really careful with the information that you do digest and then doing your own research too. And as many of you probably already know, once you do do that and you do your research and you find those communities that do actually offer really good advice and support, when you go to your doctor's appointment, you're going to be actually the one educating your provider on what this condition is, what does it mean? And I think that's another essential part too of 
being a parent with a child that has lymphedema is finding a primary care physician that is 100% supportive of you. So our primary care physician may not know a whole lot about primary lymphedema, but she has been such a pleasure to work with. And she's any referral or doctor's note or anything like that, that we've needed. She's just been like, okay, mom, you tell me what you need. And I will sign on the dotted line. You, you have my support in any way that you need it. And that, that is so important too, to be able to find like healthcare providers that can offer you those resources. And at the end of the day too, I, I want to remind parents that you are not being a burden when you reach out to these healthcare providers, that is their job. And that is what they are supposed to do. Right. So if, if you're getting met with like seemingly angry people for just reaching out to them and asking for information or help if things aren't going correctly, and they're not properly communicating with you at the end of the day, it's more of a business relationship than it is something personal. And that's the way that I look at it. Um, you know, you, you are going to be the biggest voice and advocate for your child at this point in their life. They literally cannot do this by themselves. And it just, it make it brings me to tears, Betty, to think that they're just, there may be parents who have gone through the same things that I've gone through with, um, with this diagnosis and been basically just roadblocked, right? Like, I feel like I've been roadblocked so many times and it's just so easy to throw your hands up and say, you know what? I give up. Listen to like <laughs> those family members who say he'll grow out of it, you know? Yeah. Um, or just, just let time pass. Like, you know, leave it to how it'll be and everything will work out. You're getting too stressed out about this. I, um, that, that really bothers me and worries me because you know, it shouldn't be as hard as it is to get the medical care that people with primary lymphedema or secondary lymphedema need. And it, it just, it just constantly feels like there's a roadblock or I'm on the phone with insurance or I'm on the phone with our DME or I'm on the phone with Boston Children's Hospital or whoever it might be. So just keep advocating and keep fighting, I guess, for, you know, access to, to care because, it's needed and it's deserved. Absolutely. And I want to echo what you said that as a parent, you are the best advocate for your child. You, you know, their struggles, you know what they are needing. And even if you don't know what they need, like you don't know the medical word for it. You just know there's something else. Like there is some, there should be something else happening. There should be another element to this care. Um, the open and toe, open or closed toe thing. I think that's a good example that you were like, you could have just been like, all right, well, this is what they gave me to work with. Uh, I'll just, mm -hmm. this is what we got, but you're like, no, this doesn't seem right. Five, right. six remakes in guys, this isn't fitting right. This isn't looking right. It's not mm -hmm. working right. Mm -hmm. And so many parents after one, two remakes would have been like, whatever it is, what it is. And you, you that's okay. I want to say that's probably the reason why. I was so crazy and was like, get to my house because you were like, I'm going to give up on garments. I am just to the point to where I'm about to give up on the fact that we're ever going to get the right fit of garments. And mm -hmm. I wasn't the magic bullet here either. We had struggles from the garments that I fit for mm -hmm. and that we did, but we have since brought in others. We have worked with the company and we have a better fit of garments. Mm -hmm. We tried multiple brands and vendors 
And so it wasn't like, oh, Betty's the magic bullet. I'm going to go to her house and she's going to fix me. I wish that's what would have happened, but we still had to continue that uphill battle. Um, Mm -hmm. and you're still facing some battles, um, there with your DME and like local things going on. So it's, it's not the solution, but it is a step in the right direction for sure. So parents listening, you are the best advocate for your child. You are going to set the tone for how they fight for themselves when they become responsible for their own treatment, their own medical care, their health. Absolutely. And just going off of that too, I feel like, so I live in um, Connecticut, which is a pretty populated state. I live in a very populated area. There's, you know, a doctor's office pretty much on every block in the the city that I live in. And um, I've been told that there are only two certified compression fitters in this entire state Two. that's it. So we're currently working with one sort of kind of, we're sort of ending our relationship with that. And we've just started to work with another and (laughs) let me just say that we were fitted on April 25th. So about two and a half weeks ago for um, a Medi garment and we received that Medi garment, um, about 10 days later. So I'm assuming the weekend doesn't count as like days. So it took all of like seven business days to receive that garment. And it's, it's a little short, but we're working with, um, our new fitter and Medi and, uh, you know, we're going to get a remake that's a little bit longer. And another thing that I want to echo off of that too, is if you have a good fitter, which I think I'm praying, I'm hoping that the fitter that we're working with right now, fingers crossed. Um, if you have a good fitter, they're going to talk to the reps that work for these companies like Jopes, Juzo, Medi, you name it, right? They're going to know people that work for those companies. And if you're having issues, they're either going to be in touch with those reps or they're going to put you in touch with those reps and reach out to those reps because they will help. That's their job. That's what they want to do, right? They want you to reach out to them. And I'm just, I'm just, I was amazed by the fact that how quickly that garment came in and um going off of that too with garments we got garments that were too long so I actually sent them back and this was with the fitter that was um isn't hasn't been so great to work with and I had asked so as Betty mentioned and she talked about this in one of the earlier podcasts too when she had a rep on from Betty that for pediatric kiddos um the silver lining seems to actually help in that ankle area to not help with like getting too much of like a red crease there for irritation. So that's Jeffrey actually does get his garments most of the time with that patch because it seems to, that seems to be our biggest issue a lot of times with the fit. So when we just received two pairs from um, Juzo, our DME told us they came to us and they didn't have the patch, even though I had asked for the patch. So I said to her, you know, um, I want to make sure that when they do the remake, they add the patch in. And she said, well, we can't add it in after the fact. But I was the one that actually shipped the garments back to Juzo. And I I included a handwritten note in the package with the two pairs of garments. And I said, please take off three centimeters from the top because I measured them myself to have them, you know, shortened. And I said, could you also please add in the the silver patch? And today two pairs, uh, our, our garments, shortened garments arrived and they had the patch in them and they actually had a note too by somebody at Juzo's. So that was really sweet. 
it literally brought tears to my eyes. And I was just like really grateful that, you know, Jeffrey's going to have a lifetime of working with these companies. Um, and to see people take like the, the time to really care about patients or I don't know what you call that relationship between vendor and patient, but yeah, like, I mean, it's like a customer service customer. Yeah. Customer service, you know, like to see that good customer service, even if possibly like your therapist or DME or something like that is hard to work with. I truly believe that the folks at these companies that make these garments, like they really do care. So 100%. I think that's, I hate that DMEs and fitters and therapists, the, the seemingly middleman, um, is what kind of gives these brands, these garments, uh, some bad reputations in some ways where people are just like, I had the worst experience with so-and-so, but literally, so Juzo, Jopst, Medi, even LNR for like nighttime garments. Mm-hmm. I have had I have active, current, fantastic relationships. I could text or call pretty much any level of contact on that team and get a solution or get a conversation started about a solution for a specific problem. And so I I also hope that people hear your message there that if you're having some struggle, if you're having an issue, you can literally find your regional rep Mm -hmm. on most of their websites and just call them directly. Or call right. the 1-800 number and say, hey, I'm a parent of a child. I live in this area. Please have the rep contact me. And literally every single one of those companies will have that rep contact you in a very short amount of time. And you yeah. could, you could, I already have admitted, I live the life motto of ask for forgiveness and not permission. And so I tend to <laughs> jump over people a lot where I'm like, you know what? you're not serving my purpose. That sounds really terrible, but I said it out loud and that's what it is. Like you are not helping with a solution here. So I'm going to go to the next person and we're going to see if they can help me with a solution. And that's how I get things done. And I hope that that's Mm -hmm. how parents feel encouraged and empowered to do things. There's a right and a wrong way to do it. You need to be really nice and polite when you do it and not be a real big jerk, but there is nothing wrong with going to the next person or looking for another person to help you when you're a parent and you're trying to advocate for your child and you're getting roadblocked. Do you have any last words, final encouragement or anything you would like to leave for someone who's listening to this episode at any point, because this is going to be out on the internet for forever. Maybe I'll have to come back, Betty. Cause I feel like I could, I could talk more, but, um, no, I just have a couple of tips. So like as Betty mentioned, if you're, if you've got a real little person, um, that has lymphedema, definitely the closed toe garment seems to work, work better until, um, your child is able to be fitted for toe caps, uh, or you're able to bandage the toes to get that reduction. So that way you can get the toe cap. So I would definitely recommend closed toe garments as Betty mentioned, um, for nighttime garments too. If you're having a hard time with bandaging, I, my personal advice is don't drive yourself crazy over that. Try to get a nighttime garment. If you can, it's better than nothing. We have had really good success actually with the jokes. Ina, Ina, not sure how you say it. Boot that Betty had actually, Ina boot that Betty had actually recommended and fitted Jeffrey for, um, the Velcro is a little bit 
strong, especially if they're like a little, little kid, but that for us, that boot has been really great for, um, reduction overnight and it doesn't get kicked off easily either. So those are my two pieces of advice as a parent with a child that has lymphedema, because while bandaging is, you know, the gold standard, it can be really difficult to bandage a real small kid who doesn't sit still and is picking, you know, kicking and pulling and doing all of those things. So something is better than nothing. I 100% agree. The Ina boot is fairly new to me. I think Jeffrey was probably the first kiddo that I recommended it to. Um, and I think that it has some good solutions to it. So I'm glad that, you know, we talk about community CLTs have a community too. It was recommended to me by a therapist who has decades more experience than I do. Um, and has a close relationship with a Jopst rep who could kind of help walk through the benefits of that type of garment, because otherwise I really am in a daytime garment box, a nighttime garment box, and then like accessories. Like I think of it in three different things, but this garment can be worn around the house during the day. It's not a like daytime go out and about type garment, but it can be worn and structured that way, but it can also work at night. And those accessories for like chip foam and fibrotic tissue and decongestion, it kind of all has all of that in it. So, um, we all need our own community. We all need our networks. And so that's just another, another mention of don't try to do it alone, pull people in, ask for help because there are smarter people out there that can help us and guide us in the right direction. Mother Teresa says, loneliness and the feeling of being unwanted is the most terrible poverty. This podcast is here for you to find friendship and a community for your journey with lymphedema. I hope that you enjoyed learning more about Tyla and Jeffrey's story, mine and Tyla's love story, (laughs) and just how parents can be advocates for their kids. Remember, if there is a topic you're looking for, the website has a full library of podcasts. Email me with your story if you would like to share lymphedemapodcast at gmail.com, or you can visit the website lymphedemapodcast.com to submit a topic for another episode.